You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 29 West Tolpehawken Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. This is the last week in our series of Things Jesus Never Said. And tonight I'm going to talk about this saying, everything happens for a reason. Oh, you're laughing already. You must have some experience with this phrase. Maybe you've said it yourself sometime. Um, there are some verses in the Bible that point to this idea. I want to take us through a few of them. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says that when times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. The Apostle Paul, as he's talking to the church, writing to the church in Philippi about being in prison, he, he tells them, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that, this, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. This bad thing that's happened is doing good. God is doing good. Lamentations 3, 37. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Job 37, 13. Whether for correction or for his world or his loving kindness, he causes it to happen. That's Job speaking about God. He believes God caused it to happen. Um, perhaps the most memorable one for me, Romans 8, 28. Whoops. Oh, I didn't get it in there. Let me read it to you. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So any one of those verses could suggest, essentially, yes, everything happens for a reason. I think sincere people who are trying to live a faithful life say that everything happens for a reason because they're trusting that God is in control and has a purpose for everything. Now we could talk about free will or the problem of evil uh, or whether or not you think that God is orchestrating everything that happens. But I actually want to take a step back from that um, to just talk for a bit about how we relate to the Bible and to verses like these. Whenever we pluck them out and make a fundamental truth from them that, that serves as a foundation for a whole system of belief uh, and a chain of reasoning, we end up making our faith into a set of principles or rules that we try to apply and, and follow to make sense of things. And I think this is problematic. It's caused a lot of harm, uh, maybe for you, for others. We can start to think that um, we need to learn a lesson in our suffering, that we have to find the purpose in it, because there's a reason for everything, and that reason is God. I don't think that verses like this were meant to be made into a principle. Uh, the Bible is not a written set of answers for our circumstances. And the danger is that we start relating to the principle and our faith gets built up on it 
or then possibly crumbles away because of it. The Bible is intended for so much more. Let me explain that a little bit, and then we'll get back to everything happens for a reason. Um, Someone in my cell this week pointed out that you can pick and choose any verse. You You can pick and choose a verse from the Bible to say what you want. The Bible is diverse and ambiguous and ancient, and it says contradictory things. It doesn't work like a rule book or a principle-making script. Uh, I think if it did, the Bible would be much more clear. God, God is not doing that. He's not giving us that. He's not making a set of rules to apply to our lives. The Bible is really about leading us to wisdom. Through the experiences of people relating to God and their accounts of God relating to them. And I think it takes a lifetime of study. The writers were, were considering their own past and present and discerning how God was relating to them in their day and time. And that time was ancient. And acknowledging that actually helps us to relate to the Bible differently, I think. It's not like in, an, in, a, in a distancing sort of way that makes it irrelevant, but in the recognition that writers were asking their own questions and seeking their own answers about who they were and who God was and how God related to them. They were not recording a rule book or like writing a recipe for our lives to be followed for a good life. And I think this can help us to see um, that we need to ponder God in a new way here and now and ask our own questions. The Bible is also ambiguous. Uh, It's not a set of easy answers or, or pat sayings like everything happens for a reason. There are actually proverbs that contradict themselves back to back. Uh, Do not answer a fool according to his folly. Always answer a fool according to his folly. It's Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. There's lots of examples of that, though. Uh, The Bible doesn't lay out exactly how to think or what to do, at least not that often. So looking to the Bible for answers, we are often left to work it out we might come away with more questions than answers. So why is that? Why is the Bible so diverse? It does not speak with one voice on most subjects. You can find scripture to justify slavery and abolition, uh, to justify violence against one's enemies and to condemn it, to claim political power and to denounce it, Uh, the Bible becomes a mess when we expect it to give us answers to every question. And yet people have been using it to choose a side, thinking that they're following clear teaching and miss the nuance of what the Bible is doing. The fact that it's diverse and ambiguous and ancient leads us to consider how the Bible behaves. 
not to extract principles to apply to every circumstance. The Bible leads us into wisdom. It's an invitation to know God and God's presence with us right now in our context, in our time and place. God wants us to live in an environment where we can learn to be more like Jesus, who, as Paul put it, became for us wisdom from God. So rather than taking the Bible and making it into a principle, like everything happens for a reason, we can explore scripture in the midst of our circumstances over a lifetime to discern what it means to live God's way for our time. Not by scripting, not by scripting that out for us, but by modeling for us a process that we now have to own for ourselves. I think that human beings are really drawn towards answers that deliver certitude and finality. Sometimes it brings us comfort, but that doesn't always work. Sometimes it makes things worse. Uh, we live in the complexity and the nuance of our own lives, and wisdom that scripture leads us to embraces mystery. Uh, in his book, How the Bible Actually Works, I love how Pete Enns describes the contrast between a rule book to follow and the wisdom that comes from scripture. Principle or, or, or uh, the rule book answers are distant and passive, but wisdom is intimate and learned through experience. Rule book answers are immediate, but wisdom takes trial and error over time. Rule book answers provide comfort and stability, but wisdom asks us to risk letting go of what is familiar for God's purposes. Rule book answers are designed to end the journey, but wisdom shapes us so that we can journey with courage and peace over the long haul. Rulebook answers are limited to specific moments, but wisdom works in all times and all places. Rulebook answers keep us small, but wisdom gives us the space we need to grow. Wisdom really is about this lifelong process of being formed into mature disciples who wander well on, on our journey of faith and all that we encounter. It's about tuning in to the all-surrounding presence of the Spirit of God in us and in the creation around us. So I want to have a little compassion for myself and for all of us. When we want to get to a comforting principle in the midst of chaotic circumstances, or really difficult experiences. We, we want to get a sense of safety in putting people and experiences in categories and giving them meaning. But when we're considering our lives and our circumstances, we're called to embrace the sacred responsibility of asking, what is God like? 
and reimagining God in our time and place. God was imagined and reimagined by the ancient people of faith living in real times and real places. And I don't mean that they made up God out of thin air. They experienced the divine and how they experienced God, but how they experienced God and therefore how they thought and wrote about God were filtered through their experiences. This doesn't just apply to tragic events or big horrible things. I was working with this difference between living and acting in wisdom and trying to apply an abstraction to make meaning of things just this week. On Friday, I just had a, I had a terrible day. Nothing tragic. Uh, in fact, it was like minor everyday situations that were just not going well. It started with me not sleeping the night before. I woke up in the middle of the night with lots of things going on in my head, and I just couldn't get back to sleep. Uh, and then that morning, I came over here to this building because Leah and a few others were starting a free play group for the community um, on the second floor as a way to meet people in the neighborhood. Um, and I came just to help get things going and to like problem solve as needed. It turned out that my keys got locked in the center room, which is now my office, uh, along with the coffee pot that was brewing the coffee. There's a death, right? Tragic. <laughs> Tell that to a, a lot of parents who are coming with their newborns first thing in the morning. Uh, there's a deadbolt on that door that closes automatically when the door shuts. So when we discovered this, that wasn't great. And we tried everything, uh, including uh, the maintenance guy coming and trying to hack through. There's a side door that's nailed shut and painted shut. And so there he is, hacking into the wall, paint chips flying with all the babies and toddlers crawling around on the floor. Yep, that was great. I ended up paying this exorbitant fee for the locksmith to come and open the door. And in the meantime, uh, they had plugged in the CD player for some music, and that tripped the breaker, and all the lights went out. <laughs> so um, I had planned to get some other things done that day, but ended up being here all morning. And then I headed to school. It was a half day of school for report card conferences, so I headed to school to pick up my kids. And we had planned to go hiking for an hour uh, before our scheduled conferences, but it was raining. We all needed a little physical activity, and so I was like, so I needed it too, and I was ready for it, but we couldn't do it. So I begrudgingly decided that to use the time well, we would run an errand. I had been looking for a carpet for this room upstairs that we turned into my office this weekend. And I thought we'd run to Ross. So we got to Ross, and um, it did not take very long to look through the short supply. I found one that I didn't love, but I just thought, you know what? It's cheap. It's the right size. It's going to work. And then on my way to the cash register, I saw a, um, a little... Um, like a stand that, like for the bathroom, which I also had been keeping an eye out for for the bathroom upstairs because we need something to hold the paper towels and the soap. And, and I noticed it was broken. And I thought, I could get a good deal for this. 
So I went to the front thinking, I'm going to fix it at home. And the woman said, yep, I'll give you a discount. And she got her scanner, and she typed some things in, and she tried to scan it, and she typed some things in, she tried to scan it. And this went on for I don't know how long. And she's literally shaking it, saying, it must be the rain. must be the rain. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? All of a sudden, I looked down at my watch and realized we were due back at the school in five minutes, and we are 15 minutes away. So I literally just had to look at the lady and say, I'm sorry, we got to go. So I left with no rug and no stand <laughs> and got to the school late for both um, report card conferences. So I was driving in the rain, and I was tired and hungry. I had not had lunch. I was frustrated, and I was trying to accept that maybe all of this happened for a reason. <laughs> I wasn't even conscious. I was just like, it's just what I was doing in my head. Um, maybe I wasn't supposed to have that rug. Maybe I couldn't actually fi fix the stand the way I thought I could. Uh, maybe the door upstairs would have locked me out another time when I would hear by myself with my phone in there, and then I wouldn't have been able to call anyone. Uh, maybe the new folks at the playgroup will come back because they're obvious, we are obviously real people with real problems. <laughs> Rather than making meaning out of every annoying thing that happened, it was my kids who showed me wisdom. They were sure it was going to be fine. Uh, they suggested we park in the front of the school. They split up to go to both teachers um, because we were essentially scheduled at the same time. They were basically content to sort it out and to roll with it. And I noticed that in comparison to what I was feeling internally and recognized that through them, I got to this experience of this little victory of contentment. I could reimagine the purpose of my day as having a deeper purpose for living as the beloved of God within my circumstances and my limitations. There are much bigger goals for my life than being productive that day. And those big questions that I think the, the writers of scripture were asking, who am I, what is God like, what are we called to do? They filter down to everyday moments that are not going great or are going great. Scripture has examples for us of what this looks like all throughout. When there are bigger, tragic things that are happening too. The first accounts of Scripture were written down um, because it, it was happening during the Babylonian exile. Israelites were driven from their home. They were feeling abandoned by God. They had these ancient promises from God through Abraham that they would be a people, a chosen nation. And here they are in exile, surrounded by barbaric Babylonians. And they were asking, who are we and who is God now? And that's when they started to write things down, where they needed to remember how they had experienced God that they had been loved and chosen. They were called to rely on God in moments of confusion and pain when they couldn't make sense of everything that was happening. By the time we get to Jesus in the New Testament, people are called to reimagine God in a whole new way. 
and they were having a hard time with it. A humble, suffering servant who died? That is not the ruler they were waiting for. That is not the salvation they had hoped for. How do we understand God now? This is not what we were expecting. God has made sense in the past. And how do we make sense of Jesus now? The invitation of scripture is to reimagine God's presence with us now in our context, in, our, in your particular life. And the Bible invites us into that journey. It's not intended to give pat answers to all of our questions, but it invites us to accept that our journey of faith, accept our journey of faith with courage and humility, to keep asking, keep seeking. Whatever life throws at us, let's take a cue from the Bible writers and ask these questions together again. Who are we? Who is God? What is our hope? We aren't expected to make sense of the Bible alone. It's to be known and followed, and that is a group project. So when you're struggling with your life circumstances, don't make sense of it alone. Don't, don't, you don't have to come up with meaning for it alone. We are relating and dialoguing across our, in our day and time now, trying to discern together who we are and how God is meeting us in this particular place, in this particular time. And it takes wisdom. We look to the scriptures to work out what is the wisdom of God for us now? Embracing the fact that the Bible is not full of pat answers or rule book answers. I think we'll find that the Bible challenges us and cheers us on as we walk our own difficult path of faith. It invites us to risk, to venture out from what is familiar um, and to seek God directly. I think it gently urges us to see through and past um, just the words on the page to what God is up to right here and now. And it encourages and helps us to step out and to find God ourselves, not just rely on a principle that we can bring up whenever we need to feel security. So what is our hope? How do we yearn for God to show up here and now? What urgent thing is happening to us, to our families, in our world? What new thing will the God of old do now? These are the questions I want to keep asking in community as the body of Christ. Because Jesus doesn't say everything happens for a reason. He actually says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Everything we read through scripture we read through the lens of Jesus. We understand through the culmination of who Jesus is and what he has done. And that is a group project to keep working out together. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.